At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Spooky, scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul, seal your doom tonight. Hail Satan, everyone. This is the HBO Boys podcast. The year is one. And I'm James, and with me today, it's a newcomer named Adam. Not the other Adam, this is a new Adam. Hey, new Adam. Hey, uh, happy to be here. Uh, New Adam reporting for duty. I have Adam on here because we are both fans of not just the genre of horror film, the demonic possession genre, but fans of the conjuring verse. Would you say that, Adam? Yeah, and Satan in general. Absolutely. Both Conjureverse, Horror, and Satan in general. At this point, the series is a pretty mixed bag. The Conjuring 1, pretty good. Conjuring 2, not as good. Solid. And then it's like all been downhill from there. I would agree. Um, and after letting, uh, after letting this most recent entry sit for, sit for a little while... You know, I'm just, I'm kind of seeing this is a, this is a straight up hit job on Satan. Yeah. And he just he doesn't get a lot of uh, good press generally. And they really just did him dirty again in this movie. I know. Unbelievable. Just very quickly, uh, let's talk about the Conjuring movies because there are a, a pretty big number of them now. It's true. Um, and I, I don't know, you know, there is, a, there is a bunch of them and I think it's fair as we're doing this too, that we can just kind of say the ones that, um, you know, maybe more or less in our opinion that could be ignored or uh, treated as if they didn't exist. The The premise of this whole series is that it's based off of the real life cases of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who were real people. Uh, they didn't necessarily do the things portrayed in these movies, but they were real uh, paranormal investigators or demonologists, uh, as Lorraine would put it. And so you have The Conjuring, which we said was okay. After that, you actually had the Annabelle standalone movie, which is complete fiction. There is an Annabelle doll in their museum, but the backstory they gave it in that movie, they just came up with. Uh, I didn't really like it that much. So that's interesting. I actually thought, and I I believe you are correct, but I actually thought that uh, some of the Annabelle history there, well, I'm not going to say it's true, but I believe that the Warrens did make it up ahead of time before the scripted film. Okay, because as I understood it, like, Annabelle was just a Raggedy Ann doll that some girls had that, like, was evil until they turned it over to the Warrens. But in the Annabelle films, they make this really rich backstory of, like, this father's daughter died, and so he tried to make a doll to bring her back to life. It's been a while. Well, that's what I, was, that's what I couldn't answer, though, is, is that story, was that story made by the Warrens ahead of time then adapted... Or was that fresh for the script? I could not quite figure that out because there's a little retconning okay. going on. Um, not by the Warrens, but uh, by the production staff and the people who were driving kind of the vehicle of film. And so 
after Annabelle is The Conjuring 2, which again, it's not as good as the original The Conjuring, but it's alright. Um, I, I still enjoyed it. After that is where it really goes off the rails. Annabelle creation is even worse than the first Annabelle. This is like, oh, forget the first backstory. She had a, a backstory even before then. Uh, the Nun, pretty lame. The Curse of La Llorona, probably the worst. It was rough. Those three, have you seen any of those? I, I did. I, I've seen all of them at this point. And so the spinoff ones are much weaker, but they also don't have James Wan involved. And it might be uh, that he directed the first one, which was pretty good, and then he directed The Conjuring 2, and those are like kind of the good ones. But he farms out. Mm-hmm the spinoffs to lesser directors. I think that's a wise move on uh, James Wan's part. You know what I'm saying? Like he, if, if you, if you've got a fairly solid building reputation and you, uh, you know, maybe you're in a contract deal and farm it out and don't, don't put it on your IMDb, you know, that's true. Don't save yourself for the good scripts. Yeah, because we don't know, you know, what's going on behind the scenes there uh, as far as, well, you know, now I got to make five of these or at least have five of them made. After the Curse of La Llorona, which is the worst one, or sorry, I think when there's two L's in, in Spanish, it's it's a ya sound. Curse Llorona. of La Llorona. Um, <laughs> I liked it the way you said it first, though, you know. Just my taste. After that comes either The Conjuring 3 or Annabelle 3, or kind of both. Annabelle Comes Home, which, not James Wan, but probably my favorite after The Conjuring 2 it is just kind of like The Conjuring does child's play. We're like, oh, Annabelle's loose in the museum. What? Uh, it's like, it's like, it's like The Conjuring X, Night at the Museum, X, Annabelle, uh, child's play. It had some touching moments, though, you know? It had some very, uh, it's very touching moments from a horror perspective. I found myself jumping once or twice, so I would agree with you that, you know, it, it was enjoyable to watch. And that brings us to this one, which is either The Conjuring 3 or 4. And we had said just a minute ago that The Curse of La Llorona is the worst one. And then the director of that movie, Michael Chaves, came back to direct this one. This is not a James Wan joint. This is the La Llorona guy, um, which is probably why it's not very good. Uh, better than uh, La... Uh, how are we saying? La Llorona? Yeah, better than better that than one. La, better than La Llorona. Better than The Nun. Yep. Better than uh, probably Annabelle 1 and 2 as well, but not as good as The Conjuring or The Conjuring 2 by a pretty big degree, I would say. But yeah, okay. like Michael Chaves, this is his second movie that he ever made. His first movie was pretty bad. Uh, I assume he's probably James Wan's high school friend who was like, can I make a Conjuring movie? Sure. <laughs> sure, Mike. Also, very quickly, I'd like to talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren. They come from our native state of Connecticut, and Ooh. Lorraine Warren only just died a few years ago, whereas uh, Ed died a few decades ago. And it seems to me, if you look at like interviews with the real Lorraine Warren, like she believes all of this shit. She's a very devout Christian. She believes in like spiritual warfare. It's well documented that Ed Warren was a charlatan and just like a snake oil salesman and was just doing this all for money. There's some guy, I think the guy who wrote either the Amityville Horror or The Haunting in Connecticut, the guy who wrote the original book was like, you know, trying to interview Ed Warren for details about The Haunting. He's like, it doesn't matter, man. Just write a good story. Write whatever you want. (laughs) Hey, you know what? 
I would like to think. I would like to say uh, for the for the duration of this, I'd like to suspend our disbelief mm-hmm. and assume, you know, just for just for fun, just for a few minutes, just while we do this, assume that some of these events may have happened to Lorraine Warren. Right. I'd like to give her the benefit of the doubt. Well, and this story is kind of codified by the Massachusetts court system, which basically mm-hmm. let this arty guy off with a slap on the wrist. For murder. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta end it with the for murder. <laughs> the movie begins with a cold open, and I kind of liked this cold I, I liked the first act, you know, the first 30 minutes or so of this movie I thought was pretty good. The cold open is that the little boy with the Coke bottle glasses from Jerry Maguire is in the you know, rural Massachusetts, and he's possessed by the devil, and and Lorraine are calling for backup. They call their priest friend from the previous movies, whose name I did not catch, and they do this homage to the exorcist when he rolls up in the taxi and he's got his bag and his hat and he's standing looking up at the exorcism house. And, I mean, I I, I thought that, oh, this is more than just a callback. Maybe the priest is going to be extra important in this one. No, it's just yeah. It's just remember the Exorcist. But that that is such a oh. yeah. I'm not going to harp on that because if I start, I'm not going to stop. Um, it's like this is the way you introduce, like you said, an important character, right? <laughs> but then okay, okay. Like, I wish we could just skip forward to, to to what happens to him in about a about a minute of screen time later, right? Well, the thing is, and Father Marin's like such an iconic character, and that's such a good movie that you really like. You don't do yourself any service to call attention to a much better movie in your bad movie. And, like, the priest character in the Conjuring movies is, like, so lame and unimportant. And Father Marin's, like, one of the greatest horror movie characters of all time. <laughs> yep, uh, you know what? It's, it's, setting, it's setting an ambitious goal, though. You know, this guy said, I'm going to outdo James. I'm, I'm really going gonna, gonna to bring the Conjurers back to life. Right. And he believed it. He believed it like Lorraine believes. And yeah, as you said, a minute later, like the demons <laughs> making shit fly around the house, and the priest just gets domed in the face by a porcelain dish, and it's just gone out. <laughs> I I cracked up. I I if I was in a theater when I watched this, I would have audibly cracked up and definitely been shushed. So the little boy's whole family is participating in the Exorcist, as is the little boy's like sister's boyfriend, you know, like his brother-in-law, but not quite Arnie. Arnie, who's one of the main characters, and. As the possession's going really badly, like, Lorraine is starting to see satanic visions. Lorraine, of course, if you haven't seen the other ones, she's like a psychic medium. That's her thing. Ed tries to continue with the exorcism, but, like, he, the, the demon, I don't know, astral projects and reaches into his heart and squeezes it and gives Ed a heart attack or something. He's like, I'll, I'll stop is, your heart, old man. This, this is some real power creep, you know, um, and I understand it. You know, when you have a series of films featuring the supernatural antagonists, every film you kind of feel like you got to up the ante, right? Right. Like a little bit, a little bit. This is some real power creep in the sense that this demon can literally now just stop human hearts. Hey, you think, like, why didn't he really? just kill everyone in the room? Yeah, he could have just swung for the fences. Right. Based on what we know the demon's end goal is, Yep. brother-in-law Arnie grabs the little boy and he does something that always works in possession movies he's like no leave the boy take me and the demon's like oh deal and he leaves the little boy and and goes into arnie ed's the only one who sees this happen but then he has a heart attack and passes out but like 
Arnie knows this happened. It was his idea. <laughs> and we'll come back. I don't, to I don't want to understate what a bro move this is uh, by our, our, our uh, protagonist, Arnie. Um, I don't, I don't want to understate that. This is not like his child. No. Or his grandchild. He's he's like the boyfriend of the older sister. Honestly, man, I, I guess he's <laughs> a better man than me because my thought is like, I'm getting out of here. Yeah, no. <laughs> Not a not would not be in my shoes. I I feel no shame in saying that I would immediately leave the house, right. go home, hide under a blanket, and probably order myself some Domino's. Text text my girlfriend and be like, I think we should be friends. <laughs> yeah, this this isn't quite working out. I'm uh, you know, it's it's not it's not it's not you. It's Great. Satan. It's family issues. <laughs> We then get the Star Wars title crawl sequence. All the Conjuring movies have them. Uh, it reads, The exorcism of eight-year-old David Glitzel was meant to end the months of torment. But for Arnie Johnson, it was just the beginning. The tragic events that followed made nationwide headlines and led Ed Lorraine Warren to the most sinister discovery of their career. Based on a true story. I just got shells. It is, it is, it is based on a true story, actually. Like, this it one is. we know, because there was a court case where they ran this devil defense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, confirmed. Um, but, I don't know. You know? All the other it's stuff a, that Ed and Lorraine are doing probably did not happen, because, you know, you think that would be a bigger <laughs> headline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also, uh, but I had, by this time, by when we watched this, or when I watched it when it came out, I had not seen... Uh, one of the previous films in which the uh, the cult that comes up later had been featured. Oh, which one's that? The Cult of the Ram? Yeah. Uh, that image, And then I looked that up to see if that was a real thing. I was curious. And it was kind of a, kind of a mixed bag. Um, okay. It may actually Some have been a real thing. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to, I wanted to uh, bring that up real quick because there, there actually was a Cult of the Ram. But this was also, this one takes place in the 80s, which was like a period of great satanic panic in the United States, where everyone thought that like, you know, when your kids were playing Dungeons and Dragons, that was actually a satanic ritual, and everyone assumed that their kid's elementary school teacher was secretly a satanist. And mm-hmm. so, this was a good time for Arnie to run this defense, I just wanted So apparently in 1992, um, and this is Canada, this is not uh, the US, Saskatchewan, uh, a local woman, uh, I guess, in Saskatchewan was running a babysitting service um, in a daycare center. And there was allegations of sexual abuse. And it turns out that there was more than a dozen people involved um, and five police officers uh, from three different police precincts, apparently, in Canada, um, faced over a hundred charges connected with running a literal satanic cult called the Brotherhood of the Ram, which uh, practiced ritualized abuse. At a quote unquote devil church. Okay. And well, I'd be interested to look more into the facts of that because a lot of times these things which have much more mundane explanations get spun into insane satanic stories in the press. But... Which is the end of the story. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it concluded um, there was a, a wrongful prosecution suit later on. Um, and one of the uh, five police officers who was falsely accused received like $1.3 million 
Wow. Um, so they pulled this and, and, and could it fit it under that umbrella of uh, real events without, you know, kind of including that ending where it was absolute fake. Um, because yeah, the, the original Satanic Panic story was like, it was like some The Crucible type shit where the school teacher got accused of like, you know, ritually abusing his, his elementary school class, like in the catacombs under the school and all this shit. Which and that got the media played into and just accepted it at face value and like it, it drove the country insane. And then the investigators could not find proof of any of it. Like not only were all of the kids uninjured, but like you know the underground catacombs under which the satanic shit was supposed <laughs> to be happening, like just obviously did not exist. Did, did yes, absolutely. even even amateur sleuths were like using ground penetrating radar, and they're like, yeah, there's nothing down there. In this in this particular case, um, the children who were being interviewed about you know these uh, satanic cult were being actively praised for giving incriminating answers, right? Um, and the questions themselves were incredibly leading. So you know, standard practice, but you know, kind of interesting that they they pulled in a fake investigation to kind of pull off the this happened uh, with this whole Brotherhood of the Ram, and that's kind of where the influence came from the idea for it yeah in reality these things are almost always just media sensationalism which is why reality is not interesting uh true we want real devils and demons all right that's that that would be an actual story which is what ed and lorraine gave us they took the boring and mundane and they made it into a fun uh horror thing which you know you could either uh just enjoy at its own terms or believe is real and there are actual demons out there and so don't go to the museum and taunt the Annabelle doll, and uh, help to help to get a person uh, off of uh, for a murder charge. Yeah, help him beat a murder rap. <laughs> what these are American heroes? I, I take back everything that you know I've thought about them. So the story continues. Ed has a heart attack and he's he's knocked out for like the next twenty minutes. He's like in a coma for however many days. So we follow the story of Arnie for a bit and. As we mentioned before, Arnie ended the exorcism scene by saying, Demon, come into me. But he does not do anything that a person in that situation you would think might. He's like, well, last thing that happened was I told the demon to possess me instead. Surely now the situation is resolved and I can go back to my normal life. Yeah, you know, priest in the room, multiple paranormal investigators in the room. (laughs) Right. No big deal. So he's having a restless sleep, which he cannot be awoken from, where he's dreaming of satanic iconography. Uh, But eventually he does wake up, and his hot girlfriend, the sister of the possessed kid, um, apparently they work together on some animal shelter. And he's like, why don't we run away and get married? It's like, dude, you're possessed by a demon. Deal with that first. I actually thought at this point, my, my my first thought was, oh, the demon already has him and is like trying to convince this girl to run away with him. <laughs> right? I was like, oh, okay. This makes sense. This makes sense. And she even asked him, she's like, Arnie, are you okay? I mean, he's like, I'm fine. Don't worry. No problems. <laughs> Am I correct in remembering that he has not even mentioned that he has literally willingly taken an actual demon into his body to anyone at this point. No, yeah, he, do- he doesn't say that until it's too late, until the cops okay. uh, pull. Convenient. 
Yeah. <laughs> so as he goes about his day working, he continues to be haunted. He's haunted at lunch. He uh, goes into the house alone. There's like a creepy peephole in one of the walls. He looks into it. Uh, and then when he, he looks out, there's a scary, she looks to me like a school marm, like a lady in a black dress, pencil thin. And she's making an angry face and he spooks him and he falls down. Actually scary though. I, I don't I, I think that this actress and um you know the, the, the art direction of the film actually made her pretty scary. I like Julia as a villain, actually. And the actress that playing her is doing a good job too. Mm-hmm. I was creeped out. We port very quickly back to the hospital. Ed is comatose. We have a sweet saccharine scene where Lorraine is like, let me tell you how Ed and I met and, and how much we love each other. And more so than the other two, it's, it's really driven home that like Ed and Lorraine are good. Their marriage is strong. They're always right. And I honestly think that this is sort of an artifact of that like they were making the movies with input from Lorraine. And so there can never be any nuance to Ed and Lorraine. There can never be like, oh, did we make the right decision? Because they don't want to make her look bad, basically. Like, I can see someone making, you know, like the, the production manager on the, on the film kind of discussing the script and James one talking about it. I can kind of see this conversation of like, that's the bedrock of our of our films, of the controversy, is that Ed and Lorraine are just perfect and just together and their marriage is ideal. You know, I could see that kind of being treated as a highlight uh, to some degree of like keeping a continuity of like feeling uh, to the film. Well, that's a good point. And these are also extremely Christian horror movies that maybe you yeah. could take your middle America, you know, you climb off your tractor and you take your 2.5 children <laughs> to go see The Conjuring. And yes, it's spoopy and you're scared. But then at the end, you're like, and see kids. And that's why we go to church three days a week. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the kids, you know, uh, your mother and I, we haven't always been perfect. And uh, we, we're sorry about that. And, you know, our marriage has been rocky and we regret that you were exposed to that. So we thought we'd bring you to see the Conjuring films so that you could know what a good marriage looks like. <laughs> a marriage based on fighting Satan. And that's, that's a, you know, that could be a strong uh strong set of role models for midwestern children to uh to you know get married by ed eventually wakes up and he he remembers apparently what Artie is not concerned with that the demon went into him and he's like lorraine you have to call the cops on arnie something horrible is surely going to happen and i believe she does call the police that is like uh listen something terrible is about to happen she's like a precog you need to send them to Arnie's house because, like, a crime will be committed in the future. She also identifies herself as noted paranormal investigator Lorraine Warren, <laughs> as though that's like a benefit, right? To a crank, potentially a crank call about a thing that might happen someday. It's like, hey, Lou, who's on the right phone? Now, hey, it's, it's noted demonologist Lorraine Warren. She says a demon's <laughs> about to commit a murder. Oh, we gotta get down there, Lou. Lorraine's never been wrong before. So at the farmhouse, Artie is having like a demon acid trip. And I actually thought this scene was really good. Uh, just the way yeah. it's shot. And in the background, they're playing 
that song from Zoolander. Call me, call me, anytime. But it get, it gets like more insane and demonic as the scene goes on. I do. I agree. I think this was a genuinely well shot, well thought out, well art directed scene. Um, I I have no complaints. He's seeing like demonic visions of his friend like cucking him with his girlfriend, and then. He sees his friend, like, turn into a demon, and so to protect his girlfriend, he has to, like, stab the demon to death again and again and again, while his girlfriend says, no, no, you're killing our friend. Yet suddenly, suddenly three days after seeing uh, his girlfriend's little brother twist his spine into a curlicue, uh, this guy once again believes in demons. Right. After thinking for days that it was fine, he's like, oh, actually... Uh, now I have to kill the next thing I see in case it's a demon. And so then we get the shot from the trailer, which I thought was kind of haunting, where it's like him walking down the street covered in blood. And the cops are like, hey, man, you okay? <laughs> and uh, they take him in without incident. The next scene is kind of interesting. They're at the lockup, the jail, where Arnie is awaiting sentencing. And they're having him do a test to read the Bible. To see, because if you're possessed by a demon, you wouldn't be able to, is the logic. And he can, and so the demon must be out of him. At which point, Ed kind of hypothesizes the demon's MO. It's like, okay, he possesses somebody, he kills someone else, and then he moves on to a new host. And so at this point in the movie, I'm thinking, ah, the demon, now that has successfully completed its murder ritual, has perhaps hopped in to Arnie's girlfriend, Debbie. Right. Uh, that 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 went nowhere. I was wrong about that. Same, kind of, kind of right there in that boat. Yeah. But don't worry. They tell Arnie. They're like, "Don't, Arnie. We're gonna beat this rap by. We're gonna put demons as evidence to show you how you're innocent." Uh, which, again, an insane line of defense to take, and and very bold of them to tell Arnie, like, "Don't. This is gonna work." You know, this might have been. Uh... <laughs> This might have been one of those really nice spots uh, in the film where you could have worked in a little bit of strife between the Warrens. You know, like, Ed is genuinely a little skeptical, maybe, of like, oh, did Arnie just murder this guy? You know, this doesn't fit what we uh, what we think of as demons. And Lorraine could kind of be like, well, oh, and Ed, you know, he's good. And definitely, did. you know, I thought that was a missed opportunity. Yeah, well, I'm sure the real Ed Warren did not give a fuck one way or the other. He's like, this is a great story. <laughs> We are going to get so I... many visitors to our ghost museum oh because we're God. attached to this. <laughs> like, I know it's true. I just, you know, I, all right, I'll be honest. I, I think paranormal stuff is very, very cool. Me too. Like, it's personal. And yeah, and I wanted, I wanted the Ed and Lorraine thing to be better than it really is. You know, like in real life, not this film. And uh, right. I get sad every time I think about what I know to be true about Mr. Mr. Warren. By all accounts, I get very sad. In the next scene, uh, they're meeting with Arnie's lawyer, and she wants to plead guilty so as to not get Arnie the death penalty, which apparently they still had in Massachusetts in 1980. And she's explaining to them that their idea is insane, that if they plead not guilty with the defense that he was possessed by a demon, he will get the death penalty for sure. Also, ghosts and demons are not real. At which point, Ed and Lorraine are like, well, why don't you come to our house for dinner and we'll introduce you to Annabelle. And then, you know. Ooh, uh, name drop. 
a hard cut to her being like, not guilty, not guilty because of demonic possession. Like, womp, womp. I thought that was a, that was funny. That was a silly joke. Yes. Pretty good. Uh, pretty good. I don't know. It didn't, it didn't hit me as uh, funny. It kind of hit me as like they were trying to be like a tense, dramatic moment, I guess. But you know. Right. It also just shows off how awesome Anne and Lorraine are and they can like truly make a believer out of anyone. Yeah. Like, we guys, we've got spiritual WMDs in our house. Okay. You want to see them? And so, obviously, the DA decides to go for the death penalty. He's like, well, this is a slam dunk. I'm going to get Arnie in the gas chamber for sure. Like, they're going with demonic possession. God, I love killing kids. Ugh. And so, the the lawyer is like, well, it's up to you now, Ed and Lorraine. Your idea was to do the demonic possession defense. And so, you need to go out and collect evidence of demonic possession that we can show in court to get Arnie off. And I was like, why don't we just put... Annabelle on the stand. Bring Annabelle into the courtroom and let her, you know, do some demonic shit in front of everyone. That should, well, that should prove it. It'd be a massacre. It'd be an right, absolute yeah. massacre. <laughs> you know? If you want to just, if you want to kill everyone in that courtroom, James, you know, let her out of the cage. Um, Hope you, God. Didn't you so, watch the film? Didn't right. you know? The documentary, <laughs> Annabelle? Annabelle comes home. And so, this is the task. They have to prove demons are real. To get Arnie off, which is also the plot of a much better movie that I like a lot more, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, where, like, a a priest is on trial for, like, criminal negligence because, like, he accidentally let the girl he was trying to exercise die, and, and the defense comes up with the theory. It's like, oh, no, she died as a result of his successful exorcism. He was just trying to help her, and so the whole film is kind of tied around the trial. And the def- like, her his lawyer isn't a believer, but like in investigating the case, she kind of comes around to what he's saying. It's a pretty good movie, and I thought they were going to basically ape it for this one and center everything around the trial. But actually, the trial does not make an appearance in this movie at all. We're done with that, basically that plot line, which was disappointing to me. Which it would have been a great uh, kind of definitely would have been a great frame, and it's something that really honest. happened. Yeah. Like you, you could have the rest played of this it probably well. <laughs> I honestly think there may have been a version where that did, like an idea kind of of the script where that happened, but then it got sort of stilted onto, no, that's not enough Warren time. Right. True. Yeah. Because they're the money makers. People are here to see them, I think. That's, that's why I see it, you know. Can't get enough Warrens. So they begin the investigation. They're looking around the house, which leads us to a flashback of like, uh, David's possession. And again, here I got it wrong. I'm like, okay, so maybe the rest of the movie is going to be about David's story told through flashbacks, but no, this is all we get of that. We see David getting possessed in a waterbed in uh, an okay scene. It was, I thought it was kind of, you know, it was creepy visually. Uh, you, know, you know, the scariest thing ever, but it was kind of creepy visually. I had a waterbed when I was a kid. I got a little freaked out, I'll be honest. The rest of the movie really belongs to Ed and Lorraine, and we are only, like, in the first act, but the next two acts, like, though they're longer, do not really take that much time to explain. Like, not really that much happens. True. So, they find that there's, like, a satanic carved bone idol in the house, and so that is how the demon got to David, the little boy, originally. And through through that, they're able to decide, like, oh, it's not actually, like, uh, a true demonic possession in that sense, like, this is a curse. Someone is directing this satanic energy at the family for whatever reason. Okay, so that is a little bit of a twist on the genre. I thought that was interesting. 
I I actually had a little trouble understanding like exactly what they meant at this point. I sort of didn't get like why the lady was appearing instead of just the demon. I was sort of like sketched out, but you know, it was it is kind of a twist. They're priests. I don't know. It'll explain. Yeah. Well, the rules are definitely not well explained, and we'll get to that yeah. when we get to the end. But their priest friend hooks them up with a ex priest who is like was a professional demon hunter, and he invites them into his creepy basement, which is full of haunted and demonic artifacts and there's a funny exchange where Lorraine's like no Ed I don't want to go down there it's too spooky and evil and it's like Lorraine you have a worse version of this at your own house <laughs> yeah. like, I, I think she honestly just didn't want a dick measure you know right you don't want to you don't want to come up lacking your meanwhile WMD collection Ed's perusing the artifacts like oh, how much you want for this that was pretty good <laughs> this is like this is some Pokemon card shit you wouldn't believe it, dude. I've got, I've got a foil, I've got a foil cursed idol here. He warns them. First edition. He warns them that the cult of the Ram are a dangerous group of Satanists that he hunted all his life, and that they, uh, if anyone tries to interfere with their satanic works, it will put them on their radar, and they will, you know, seek to destroy them. So look out, Ed and Lorraine. Kind of interesting, though, because, like, then later on they're presented as having been hunted down and arrested, right? Right. We oh, then... Wow. We, this is all interspersed with scenes of, like, Arnie still being possessed in jail, which goes against what Ed said previously, which was that, like, oh, he's not actively possessed, that's why he can read the Bible, but he's still seeing demonic visions. And then we also see a vision of the villain of this movie, uh, Julia, who we get a sense is like the leader of the Satanists or whatever. She's the woman in black, and Lorraine is seeing visions of her too. We then go on this very long digression where they, they want info on, I think more or less what you just described, that police case with the, yeah, exactly. the cult of the Ram, but they can't get it because it's official police business or whatever. And so uh, I thought, you know, Lorraine and Ed go to meet a police detective. He's like, I'll only give you the evidence if you can prove you're psychic. And so they, he takes them to a crime scene where the cult of the Ram murder happened. And then, let's just talk briefly. Lorraine is like totally OP in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like super sane level psychic. Yeah, she goes from like having feelings and, and maybe a vision here or two to just like being able to like astral project and and like see the past as it happened like her powers uh explode in this movie she has ascended and so he takes her to a crime scene and she is with her psychic powers able to completely reconstruct the events of what happened like Willem Dafoe in Boondock Saints and she could just like sees everything as it happened, and she sees like uh, this friend who uh, has like a bone totem thing became possessed and killed her friend, and then jumped off the cliff, and that's a break in the case because they didn't know where the murderer was. Oh, she jumped off the cliff, and they found her, which makes the police detective trust Lorraine, and then he gives him, gives them what he has on the cult of the Ram. Again, that scene not super important. They could have just gotten that information from the priest character, and we could have made more time developing, like, Arnie or developing 
and Julia or whatever. Again, this movie's a bit too long, and it, it spends a lot of time filleting the Warrens. It does. This is true. And not in the right way. Not in the, like, okay, it's like, you could do it in service to the film. Like, yeah. in a creepy way. Like, you could start building the creepiness onto the Warrens. Like, if truly, like, the cult of the Ram starts stalking them in the film. You know what I'm saying? Like, now we really have to deal with that more so than just uh, what does occur between them and Julia. Like, that would be kind of interesting. Like, you could even do, like, you know, one of these, like, part two type things for the movie, especially since you know you're going to have a digital release. And again, it seems like maybe this went through some rewrites because, like, this doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Then they break into the morgue because they want to inspect the corpse of the the murder-suicide girl that Lorraine just broke the case into. And so they break in. You'd think, like, already as a writer, you would have had the solution to that. The detective lets them in. But whatever. They break in. Lorraine, using her newfound superpowers, is able to, like, hold hands with the corpse, which is a little bit gross because it's all soggy. (laughs) And through that, she's able to find Julia. And this was actually one of the last scenes that I really liked, which was... um, the confrontation here between like Lorraine and Julia because she can see Julia but that allows Julia to see her and she's like what are you doing here and she's like oh, my god has commanded me to stop you and Julia's like well then your god has fucking killed you I did like that I, I really enjoyed almost all of Julia's writing she actually felt menacing she did which is why I feel like they kind of wasted her by, we'll get there um, and and so Julia now knows who they are and their location. And so and and again talking about power scaling, Julia then animates just a random corpse in the morgue to attack them. Mm-hmm. And like actual ne- necromancy. Like this this yeah. is a big change from anything that's ever happened in the controversy. Right. And Ed is only able to save their lives because like he severs the spiritual connection. It's not clear. He pulls Lorraine's hand away from the corpse, which somehow depowers Julia and saves them at the last second from the zombie. Yeah, it was kind of loose, a little loose there, kind of inventing its rules as it goes, but it kind of worked, you know, like, Julia was only there because she was able to connect through Lorraine, I guess. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. So, at at the Warren's house, the two of them, plus either their intern character, I don't want, I forget what his deal is, um, are discussing what they should do about this, and they find out that the murder-suicide girl had went away on a little trip somewhere uh, in in Fairfield, Connecticut, and that's where she got that bone totem. And so Lorraine is on her way to see like the the Satanist hunter guy, and they realize, oh shit, the Satanist hunter dude's house is in Fairfield, Connecticut. And so now it's a race that Ed has to, like, beat her there or get there in time because Lorraine's in danger now. And so Lorraine arrives there first, and and Demon Hunter Dude gives her the backstory. He's like, yeah, my daughter Julia grew up in this house with me while I was hunting the Satanists. But, like, whoopsie, she got into my collection of Satan stuff, and it was too interesting, and it turned her into a super Satanist, and it's all my fault. Okay, this is another part where I kind of cracked up, you know, like, you can't, you know, like, okay, kids kids assert themselves, they grow up, they want to do their own thing, <laughs> right. 
This guy couldn't stop someone from looting satanic artifacts and worshipping the literal devil right. as a priest and a father. And this a, guy and, is and the a sa- worst a hunting exorcist. Who, yeah, who believes in this stuff. Like, I, I kind of wanted him to die, like, immediately. Which, of course, paid off. So, they then hear someone upstairs. Julia has gotten to the house before Ed. And so he tells Lorraine, like, run into the spooky catacombs underneath my house. You'll be safe there. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, run into the lair, okay? The wolf will never catch you. Oh, but he also explains, like, so this is a demonic ritual. She needs to use the demon to take a soul, uh, which will allow her to ascend to a higher plane of power if she does. And and so that's why she's cast this curse. This was just a random family that she was attacking, and she just needs the demon to kill one person. Again, the demon has had tons of opportunities to kill numerous people, and did not take them when it had David possessed. They were basically all at its mercy. Could have killed a whole room of people then and just chose not to. Now, this is where I got confused too because I thought it was like they got to kill like three specific types of people. But then uh-huh. that becomes unclear later when it's like, oh no, it's just one soul. Right. Yeah, little. Uh, I got very confused at this point. And, like, also, did they not already get... Because, like, Arnie killed that guy. So it's, like, mission accomplished. Yeah. I guess it didn't get his soul, though. Which is, oh, like, where I Arnie got confused. Soul. Yeah. Um, yeah, it didn't... I don't know why. Also, okay, wait. If you, like, let a demon into your body, is that not yeah, giving you gave up it, your soul? You gave your soul already, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's not. It's kind of like, if you know, you didn't really sign uh, the permanent lease. You're just like, well, you can rent here. So... This leads to the action set piece that ends the movie. Julia comes in. She kills her dad. Um, She goes into the catacombs to chase after Lorraine. If Lorraine can destroy Julia's satanic altar, which again, in the catacombs, under Demon Hunter Dude's house, he knows that they're down there. He knows that you have to destroy the altar. He could have just gone. Yeah, that guy's not doing anything. (laughs) He's like, I am retired. Right. I am not a chance, buddy. Buckarino. So, she needs to search the catacombs to destroy the altar. She has a pretty, like, actually tense encounter with Julia, where, like, she's trying to, like, stab... Like, she's on top of Lorraine trying to stab her, and then Lorraine is kind of like, their connection is still going, so she's able to see through Julia's eyes uh, that there's a rock nearby that she can grab to strike Julia with, and she gets away. Ed shows up immediately possessed by Julia. Like he yeah, I think it was he possessed or like confused by glamoured or something. Yeah, I don't know, but that that's that's also some kind of op stuff going on here. So now Ed is confused. He's like chasing chasing Julia through the catacombs. Uh, like Jack at the end of The Shining. <laughs> I think he has like a hammer or some shit. <laughs> and he's trying to smash Lorraine, but Lorraine's like, no, Ed, remember our backstory, our marriage, it's so strong. And he's like, oh my god, you're right. And he comes to his senses through the power of love. Uh, oh god. It's more powerful than any, any satanic powder, I'll have you know. 
Oh yeah, we should also say like meanwhile Arnie's like about to be killed by the demon or whatever. So uh, <laughs> together they find the altar and they destroy it, which saves Arnie. And then uh, uh, Julia arrives and she's like, "Well, I could just have the demon kill one of you guys." At which point, and again, I don't think this was signposted at all that there was a time limit to this shit and it's up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's like when when it failed to kill Arnie or something. Demon, or like yeah, the, the demon got impatient or maybe. The curse wasn't passed or something? I don't know. So because she didn't get Arnie's soul, now it's too late. The demon takes her soul. Which means just like snapping her neck. Which, I, yeah, I guess I guess that's explained by it's like, oh, well, her soul is forfeit because she promised it if she didn't do her job. Right. And again, uh, like, that is a tidy way to defeat Juliet. Well, she kind of defeated herself, right? This is sort of like a Harry Potter ending where it's like the good guys never have to bloody their hands. The bad guys just kill themselves accidentally. <laughs> which, is so, which is such an incredible, like, okay, I know that this is Warren fan service at this point, but like, such an incredible way to introduce that uh, sort of disparity if you're even setting up another film, which is like, have Lorraine kill her. Right. Even like if it's like some kind of like, you know... Like have Lorraine summon the Archangel way. Michael and have him kill her or something. Like, if that's where we're going with this. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is basically Naruto now. <laughs> like we, we just summon whatever we want. But again, but yeah, I so thought I thought this was a waste. Julia, forget the nun. The nun is boring. Julia would have been a good like cross movie villain. Yeah, like that would have been crazy. Like if they didn't get her, like they got some lackey instead. Yeah. Um, because Julia felt really menacing. Like she felt like the, a true opposite to the character that is Lorraine. Like she was right. a true believer on the other side of the spectrum. Like, she wasn't doing this stuff, you know, just for necessarily ha-has. Like, she wanted power, but she also just loved Satan. Yes. You know, she was in it for the love of the game. Right, in the same way that Julia is a devout believer. Or in the same way that Lorraine is a devout believer. Julia is just the other side. She's just, you know, she's just uh, rooting for the other team. Yeah, there was a beautiful kind of like yin and yang sense going on here that was absolutely beyond wasted. Yeah. Yeah, Julia was my favorite thing about this movie. It's too bad she didn't make it out. Yeah, or, you know, I guess, but in this kind of film, you know, if you're going presumably to hell, which very much is kind of like an existent thing, and there's necromancy and stuff, it's actually not out of the line if they wanted to take it to the next level of super villainry to have Julia come back, especially if they did get such a positive uh, fan interaction with her. Right. Yeah, here's hoping. So... We get to the end of the movie. The stress of the confrontation has ha- Ed's had another heart attack, but Lorraine this time is there for him. I don't know with like the nitroglycerin pills or whatever, and, and his heart attack stops. And nitroglycerin so, pills. Yeah, they use that. To is that is that what does? They, it? they used to. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't. I had no idea. Um, they take the bone totem. This is all in a montage. They put it in the museum next to Annabelle. Meet your new roommate. Um. <laughs> Arnie goes on trial, but he gets sentenced to a pittance of a five years, you know, for aggravated manslaughter. So he doesn't even get hit with murder in the end. Insane to me. That that happened in real life. In real life. Yeah. He got five years for involuntary manslaughter. (laughs) 
how did anything that they accomplished, like, I, I know it's sort of like the victory lap scenes, right? But how did anything they do actually prove the existence of demons? Like, Because, right. like, Julia's dead that. and her dad is dead, so they don't even have a witness. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, now aren't you on trial for murder? Right, yeah. And isn't that yeah, a bigger are, like, story? Like, Yeah, did, did Ed and Lorraine bury the bodies? <laughs> no, because the cops show up at the end of that. So it's yeah, like, but they're, like, not suspicious. They're just like, oh, yeah. That oh, should be sorry. nationwide news. Noted psychic Lorraine <laughs> Warren has dueled to the death with Satanist woman in catacombs yep. beneath Fairfield, Connecticut. Because be real, yeah, <laughs> real Ed would have been out there, like, billboarding that shit like a pay-per-view boxing <laughs> yeah, fight. <right. laughs> like, see my wife kick Satanist ass. We got a VHS, folks. Five dollars. We get a happy Hollywood ending for the Warrens where he built her a little gazebo in the garden. I don't know if that's a callback to anything, but he builds her a gazebo in the garden and they make out. Their marriage is still so strong. And then <laughs> over the credits, they play audio of the real little boy David's exorcism, which that was a nice touch, I actually thought. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at this point, yeah. the movie's already pretty far gone for me, but I did like that. It was interesting, and I, you know, uh, feel free, you know, when you do your when you do your post magic, uh, cut this out if you like. But since this is the uh, the HBO boys, uh-huh. uh, the gazebo gave me uh, weird Soprano vibes. Oh, you remember that? I don't know if you're. Uh, the universe is deeper than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't know if you remember that. I, I watched Sopranos recently, so maybe I'm just you know. Uh, Anywho, not interesting, sorry, just came out of my mouth. No, uh, perhaps The Conjuring Verse and The Sopranos, and The Sopranos is getting a prequel, by the way, so maybe they'll tie that in the the 80s. uh, He's like, uh, yeah, Ed, Lorraine, I don't care about stupid demon stories so long as you keep bringing in (laughs) that that money, Ed. (laughs) Oh my god, Like, like like Tony Soprano's dad turns out possessed the entire time. <laughs> or no, what happened is and mom. Tony committed the Amityville horror murders <gasps> so that Ed could write a story about it. Oh my and, god. And they pinned it on the dead. Oh my god, Illuminati confirmed. So in the end, Adam, if you were gonna give uh the conjuring the devil made me do it a letter grade, what would it be? A letter grade? Wait, can I do this uh can I give it a pentagrams grade? <laughs> well, I don't know what that is, but sure. All right, well, let's set a scale, okay? So, I mean, I think the natural is uh, 666 pentagrams is, is the highest. <laughs> so out of 666 pentagrams, um, I think that I would, I would give this movie... At, okay, two grades. Overall, as a horror film. I would give it 421 out of 666 pentagrams, which is a little bit better than the average for horror films that are coming out in 2021. It was watchable. I thought it was. It brought some interesting things into the universe, and the villain was menacing. As an entry into the Conjureverse, maybe a little bit lower. Uh, like I, I, I kind of go the other way. I, I find it to be a stronger Conjureverse movie than the majority of them are now, right? Because now there are mm-hmm. eight of them. But to me, at this time, and while the production rate on this movie was high, and that's one of the draws, in an age where we're getting really, like, auteur horror films by, like, Peel or Ari Aster 
or the guy who made the witch and the lighthouse whose name escapes me. But do you feel like that slowed a little bit? And yes, I know COVID slowed it down. Yeah. But mm. okay, but no, I see where you're coming from. I, I think the the bar from. has been raised, and and the Conjuring is still back in two thousand and six. But okay. but overall, the, I agree. the genre has been raised. Yes, definitely. Although those all, uh, I don't want to go too deep into it, but I think those also constitute a uh, sort of different kind of film. Those are really more of an auteur film. Like they're more of a. Uh, I'm not going to say art house at all. Hey, well, right. okay, in the lighthouses, but you know, this is a sort of a more of a mainstream feeling Hollywood release, yes. which still you should, hasn't you really have caught up horror wise. No, they haven't caught up horror wise, but I think you should still have them. The Conjuring are the event movies, uh, the event horror movies of the year. Now, when you and I were kids, it was the Saw movies. These days, yeah. and then for a while there, it was like The Grudge. And now it's The Conjuring, and we are better off now than we were. Like That is true. <laughs> that the is Saw movies true. are dog shit. The, the Grudge yes. movies are also pretty bad. If these are the yearly event horror movies, we're, like we're, we might not be in the promised land, but we're better off than we were. Yeah, I'm not sad about that. Not nah. one bit. Um, like I said, I, I thought it was like preeminently watchable. Like, yes, I did find myself kind of, I'll be completely honest, uh, skipping forward a little bit through some of the lovey-dovey Lorraine and uh, Lorraine and Ed content. Right, like, we get it, but, we get it. They love each other. Yeah. Okay. Like, I like it just a minute or two, though. You know, if I'm only skipping a minute or two of most uh, Hollywood-released horror films at a time, then it's it's serviceable. So, uh, thank you for joining me, Adam. I'd like to have you back. You know, Ryan does not watch horror, so maybe you and I can be the horror movies that appear on HBO Max uh, reviewers. And, I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love that. I'd love to and, and it. We'll be, we'll be back in six months to a year for sure with the next Conjuring uh, verse oh movie. Oh my god. You know that La Llorona and Annabelle came, Comes Home came out like less than two months apart? <laughs> I, I did not know that. Um, I, my brain kind of manually skipped them on release <laughs> just based right. on the trailers. Uh, and I only watched them later. I did not know that. And so, yeah, we'll be back with another horror movie sometime in the future. Ryan and I will be back later in the week to watch Loki, which I am truly not enjoying. Are you watching Loki, Adam? I am not. I kind of, I like to sort of wait a little bit mm -hmm. um, on most stuff and then kind of catch it later and not when it's first uh, rolling out. Um, I don't have high hopes. I'm, I'll admit it. I'm not a Marvel fan. Yeah, well, you can In see general. this one, then. And, uh, yeah, okay. well, th thank you, Adam, and, and we'll be back uh, next time, hopefully. Uh, actually, we can have the devil on the next show. We're trying to get in contact with him. Adam has put some things in the mix, see if he can reach uh, the devil or one of, his one of his hirelings for the next episode. It's pretty tough, but I'm, I'm going for it. I'm really, I'm swinging for the fences, you know? Stopping hearts. Yes, you are.